Hello, and welcome to the Neurodivergent Leader Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Heather Lynn Wagner and Donna McLaughlin. We believe that everyone deserves access to opportunities for leadership development and personal growth. That is why we are on a mission to destigmatize difference, identify challenges, improve outcomes, and empower neurodivergent talent with the tools to become the authentic leaders they were meant to be. We want to provide a safe space for the open-minded exploration and celebration of neurodiverse minds. We will spotlight the narratives of neurodivergent leaders, advocates, and experts, and share our own stories about educating, raising, and loving neurodivergent children. We will dive deep to reveal the challenges of being neurodivergent in a neurotypical world and discover the power of shifting from a negative viewpoint that focuses on deficits and brokenness to a more compassionate paradigm that promotes strength, acceptance, and access. We will challenge your concepts about leadership and who or what makes a great leader. We will lean into the discovery of who we are and who we aren't so that we can commit to our truth and become the best version of ourselves we can be. By the end of this venture, you will have the tools and actionable steps to activate your own exciting and individualized leadership plan. Whether you're an aspiring leader, entrepreneur, professional, or parent raising future leaders, we will have something for everyone. Thank you for joining us. Let's dive right in. Okay, so welcome to our first edition of Pillar Talk. Um, Today, Donna and I are tickled by this, just so you know. And it was Donna's idea, so I want to give her her credit that we would, our our pillar conversations are now known as Pillar Talk. So as we've been launching this program, and as we've been doing more podcasts, people want to know what we do, what our framework is, how we help leaders, how we help neurodivergent people. And so we want this episode to really give you a high-level overview of our foundations of successful leadership for neurodivergent people. And so just a quick perspective I have, I've been doing leadership development for a really long time. Donna's an expert in curriculum development with our powers combined. We wanted to create a program that brought the best of leadership development with real time curriculum that was adaptive, that met the needs of neurodivergent people that also has metrics and rubric, which I think is something that's missing from traditional leadership development programs. And so I have trained in so many different kinds of modalities and frameworks and ideas, and there's a million out there, and a lot of them are brilliant. We actually use another one, which we'll talk about in a future episode called Positive Intelligence, but there's different frameworks for different kinds of leadership, there's servant leadership, there's transformational leadership, there's all different kinds. And when we looked at the needs of neurodivergent people, we looked at all the different strengths, foundations, and competencies that we felt were important. And we distilled it down to five, which we're going to go over with you today. And and these, these things are what are critical for whether you're in a leadership role in a company, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're just trying to lead your life in the best way possible, because I think that's something, and maybe Donna, you can touch on your perspective of leadership. I think that we sometimes think leaders are certain people in the front of the room, have titles, and our belief is that everyone is capable of leading an incredible life 
with the right tools and the right support. And it's about personal leadership versus power dynamics or authority or title or anything like that. So that's kind of my intro to the conversation. Donna, what do you have to say or add? So I want to, you know, definitely agree with you that, you know, the process that we went through to try to sort through and sift through what's the best way to present a leadership program that's going to meet the needs of the population that we want to serve and we want to give voice to was super, super important for us when we were planning these pillars and deciding on how we were going to arrange the curriculum. And so these five A's, they're not necessarily a definition of what people have to be or a prescription for normality. They're different areas that we think that if you dive into them and learn about yourself in these particular areas in a deep way, that they're only going to serve to bring out all of those hidden strengths and powers that you have, rather than these, this is the prescription for how you become something. It's let's look at what is inside of you in each one of these areas and elevate that to the, to its highest potential. I love that. I think one of the things we had actually discussed in all of our development was while we feel that these particular five A's are important for neurodivergent people, they're also important for all people. So it's right. like it's a human experience, not just a right. neurodivergent experience, right? And and they're competencies, they're areas yes. to develop, they're not places to become an expert in. They're not places that you have to master. They're just areas of practice and places to really learn more about who you are authentically, who you are at your highest and best, and then also who you are not. So you can stop performing and pretending to be something you're not. And that that real success comes in from you, from you learning who you truly are, what you need to thrive, what your values are, and then living into that fully. Absolutely. And I think part of my excitement came in our own exploration of these pillars and trying to figure out how each one of them fits into a journey toward higher self, toward leadership skills and development and all those types of things. So as I started to dig um, and say, you know, how does awareness impact me? How does authenticity impact me? What about me do I need to improve upon in order to be better at accountability or advocacy? All of those different things that I had to explore and investigate and dig into for myself got me excited about the potential for what clients and, you know, potential clients and people in the program are going to be able to experience and go through. And it it just gives me a lot of excitement to think about how we're going to be able to discuss these things and dive deep into these things and, and find out more about individual people than a normal program would. Yeah. And I love that you touched on just in building it, it was transformational for us. And I think that is a key piece because Some people might say, you know, well, what are you going to teach me? And we definitely teach some skills and we definitely teach some tools and we give resources to help empower people. But really, it's what you're going to teach yourself and learn about yourself that's going to help you 
become more confident, more grounded, more clear in, in who you are and what you want. And it's a journey. You could do our program five times over and get five different experiences and, and become that much more enriched by the process. So I think that is, that's what's really cool about it. And I'm sure as we lead more and more, more cohorts, and I found this in transformational programs myself, as you go through the program, every time as a facilitator, you're seeing new stuff for yourself every single time you go through it. And so your own ability to grow deepens through the experience. And I think that's what's beautiful about the kind of program we designed versus I'm going to go learn soft skills, not to make that, we all need to learn different skills for for roles and jobs, but that's not what we are per se. You may do that as a result of our program, but our program is really about that self-reflection and ownership and development of who you are at your highest and best. Absolutely. And I think for me, coming from an educational background and being a teacher in the classroom, um, it's all about perspective and style, right? So if I went into the classroom and I said I was the all-knowing person who was imparting knowledge on everyone in my room, that lent itself to a different learning experience for the people that were under that umbrella. I don't think that way about teaching and learning. I think teaching and learning is a reciprocal process and that there's more learning that goes on from the people that are in the room trying to accept knowledge from you rather than you imparting the knowledge on them. So I learned more as a teacher from my students than I did from the knowledge that I got in college or from my teaching experience, et cetera. So I think that that's why I think this program lent itself to be the way that it is, is we're trying to create an experience where people don't feel talked at, but they feel a part of the conversation. They're going to be developing the curriculum and, you know, and helping us as much as we're helping them. So. Yeah. And I want to just emphasize that point for a second. So like we developed a framework, we bring different aspects, but really whoever shows up and does the program, it's their curriculum, it's their life, it's their values, it's their experience. And so we kind of put you in the framework and guide you as facilitators through the framework we we've designed, but it's also adaptive, which is because it's a foundation. It's not really, it's like the foundation to a house, right? So every house is going to be created differently from, from, by different people. So if you gathered a whole bunch of people together to build a house, everyone's ideas would influence it. And it could turn out to be, um, you know, an amazing house that's never been built before. And that's what's so exciting about this is we're going to be creating organic experiences where every house is going to be different based on the amount of people and the types of people and the styles of people and the learning that's going on and all those types of things. So that's really encouraging. And the key, you know, key being that it's adaptive from the experiential piece, which you're talking about, and key that it's adaptive that we meet with people, with our participants, and we actually get in relationship to figure out what their learning needs are, what their learning style is, if we need to adapt the curriculum, if we need to give accommodations, if we need to give modifications, we are there to create the content in as equitable and accessible way that we possibly can. And assuming we can make it work, we will find a way to make it work. And I think that is the level of inclusivity and equity we're committed to in providing a space 
where maybe in a more traditional neurotypical model, you may not be able to access or find space to do this kind of work like you will in our program. I'm wondering if you want to, we talked about this on a previous podcast, probably on our very intro with Casey, but a little bit about how we developed this program or why, where it was born out of. Do you want to tell a little bit of that story from your perspective? Sure. Right about the very beginning or, you know, kind of early on in the pandemic, um, I, I was out of work and had um, some extra time on my hands. And I started really trying to figure out there was something inside of me that that had a need or a desire to do something different. And I felt like with all that extra time on my hands, it would be a perfect opportunity for me to start digging into my passions and kind of listening to that inner voice of what is it that's important to you and how do you want to serve at this point? Because I had been serving in a traditional brick and mortar school system for, you know, at that point, 21 years. And I just knew it was time for a change. And um, I personally have neurodivergence that touches my life. My son is an adult. Um, who has struggled through the education system, through even just the neurotypical demands of society in and of itself. And he has had many battles that he has faced. And I have found that throughout parenting him and loving him through that, that process, that there were not a lot of resources available for myself as a parent parenting somebody with those types of issues, nor was there, and even more importantly, was there any information support or outreach um, tools that were available for him. So that the isolation that he was feeling from his social anxiety and the fact that he didn't fit into a traditional school system. So he left school and then that therefore it made him even more socially isolated and it hindered his ability to develop skills in a normal way, like most people do during the age period, right? His adolescence, where he wasn't able to to do that and grow in an effective and efficient way. So, and, and plus the mental health piece, like there really wasn't even mental health available for him that addressed his particular needs. And so all of those things packaged together, I started saying to myself and to you, I just feel really, really strongly that we need to provide a safe space for people to be able to come and investigate who they are and feel comfortable and not feel as if they're being judged and not feel as if they're being pathologized and not feel as if they have to mask or perform or do anything in order to be who they are and then get in community with one another and say, how can we empower each other? How can we become more accountable as well as how can I do all of those things? And so that was where for me, this whole idea kind of sparked and then you and I partnered from there. So that was my why. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that again and and with such clarity. Yeah, I I think similarly, like I was one of those people with COVID who had to walk away from working as a mother to homeschool and be at home with my son, also raising a neurodivergent kid who's elementary age, and he couldn't access the curriculum through online learning, and there was a lot of social-emotional struggles that were going on in the household, and then simultaneously, I was coming into more awareness of my own needs as a neurodivergent person. Cause it was really interesting to be ADHD sensory processing and not get most of my diagnoses till later in life. I got the ADHD diagnosis early on, but 
we never really did anything with it because no one really knew what to do with it 28, 30 something years ago. So coming into working with these people for my son, I had a coach during COVID say, well, are you an OT? I was like, me? Like, why would I be? Oh, right. Because I have sensory needs too. And so there was this like real exploration of my unmet needs being late diagnosed and never realizing I had them struggling in a program I was in because I didn't have the accommodations I needed when I was finishing seminary. And they really didn't know how to meet my needs either. In all fairness, they wanted to accommodate me, but they didn't even know. And I didn't know how to advocate for what I needed because I had never learned how to advocate for myself. Right. And then also seeing my son getting all these accommodations in school and thinking to myself, well, crap, when he graduates, he's going to go out into the world and there's like, how is he even really going to understand how to advocate for himself and how is there going to be? So I didn't even have the awareness of my own needs. I didn't realize how much ableism had been impacting me. I didn't realize how much I had been performing to meet neurotypical expectations, constantly feeling like a failure, using alcohol to medicate. Like there was this, this real shift in me personally while also seeing the future for my son if I didn't figure out how to better help him. So with seeing and hearing your story, my my own personal story, and then seeing this next generation of kids that don't have it, I think we both collectively decided, well, how can we bring the best of both of our worlds and our 25 plus years experience in experiential leadership development and special education and curriculum design and how, and how do we create a space and a program? So we started working on it and here we are. And we started, I mean, we spent months, months building stuff, assessing it, taking it down, putting it back together, researching all the best resources, putting all the resources together, weeding out what we thought was not valuable. I mean, we went round and round with it and it was amazing and fun and sometimes frustrating, but also I think where we landed is so impactful and powerful and you already kind of teased them out a little bit. So do you want to go just break down the five A's for a second and then we'll go into each one specifically. Sure. So the first one is awareness and that encompasses awareness of the perspectives with both within yourself and outside of yourself. So being higher level with understanding your own needs and being aware of your own emotions and feelings, as well as the impact and the relationship that you have with others is super, super important. And I think a lot of trouble comes when we do not know or understand our own needs and emotions the same way as it does when we're, you know, because then we can't really understand other people's needs and emotions. And so balancing those things and improving on those things is never going to be anything but a positive in our lives because um, it just helps. We are relational beings. We need to be in relationship with people. Authenticity is the second one. And honestly, um, I think that we've had this conversation probably 25, if not more times throughout building this curriculum that we really feel like authenticity is probably the strongest pillar that we have Um, because you have to be authentic in order to exercise any of these other explorations. You have to be willing to be authentic to yourself. You have to be willing to disclose and be authentic with others. Um, And all of those pieces are, you know, so the authenticity is the foundation and then all of the other pillars kind of blend into that authenticity. Then there's action. What am I going to do? 
about what I'm learning? How am I going to implement that in my life? What strategies and tools work best for me? Um, Not, oh, here's a tool, I have to use it. It's more, you know, what are my specific strengths and how are some of the tools that are being shared with me going to help me raise those strengths as well as fill in gaps because i think that that's that's the best way to describe it i you know i do the executive functioning on the side and i think that's another part of why i didn't want that to be this way in our program where we just threw tools at people um because i just don't think that that's the answer i think tools are great and i think they're wonderful for Again, that exploration piece of trying to figure out a way to change rigid thinking or a way to increase facility and skill. Yeah. But I don't think they're the they're the answer to Not a problem. Fixes. No. Right. We tend to think tools are a fix. Like and and right. that's distinguish that for a second. Like if you're if you're looking for a program to fix you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or fix your child, we are not that. But right we will dig deeper to better understand strengths and gaps. And then we will decide, are the gaps something we want to develop or are the gaps something we want to delegate? Me, for example, as an ADHDer, I'm never going to be good at money management. So I have a bookkeeper and I happily pay her to keep my stuff all in order and and on time. But for a long time, I spent so much money on coaches trying to have this breakthrough in money. And the breakthrough was in owning that that is not my area of expertise. It will predictably never be my area of expertise. I have time blindness. So remembering to pay stuff on time is not in my wheelhouse. Right, right. I'm okay with that, right? I'm okay with that, so. Right, and being accepting of of your own. Yeah. Right, right, your own needs and and gaps. And then the next one is accountability. And obviously that speaks for itself. Um, We need to be accountable in order to push ourselves right to the level of improvement that we're both capable of and willing to be at. So that again, accountability is something that is going to wax and wane with certain people. And and the, you know, certain people are going to have a higher level of accountability to start and other people, that's going to be an area that they need to develop because accountability is a harder piece for them. And that's okay too, because we are going to meet everybody where they're at. And then finally, it's that advocacy piece, which I think um, is is a super important thing. It's necessary for us to be able to self-advocate in order to get our needs met. And I think in a neurotypical world, it's really, really hard to advocate because a lot of times your voice either goes unheard or it's specifically shut down. Like, no, that's not possible, or that's an unreasonable expectation or accommodation that you're asking for. And so we tend to shame and judge people for expressing their needs. And we need to learn how to do that in an empowered way so that we can get those needs met and not have to sit back and say, oh, that's just not possible for me. Or I have to find a job that meets my needs. You can, you can be an advocate and learn how to be in the job that you're in and still get your needs met. So it's just a different approach or a different way of thinking about it. Yeah. So just to review that, we have awareness, authenticity, action, accountability, and advocacy. Um, And you did a great job like describing each one of them. And I think just from a high level, awareness is a foundation to any kind of 
leadership or self, you know, self-reflective program. And so like that one was a given that we would have to include that. And some of the ways, you know, we work with our clients to do that is we do strengths-based testing assessment. We will help you identify areas of executive function struggles and also strengths. So like you said, some people accountability and being on time, it's almost like they're a stickler for it. Right. Whereas for me, I am not, you know, so really understanding where your own gaps and strengths are. But I think to emphasize, like we believe in strengths-based leadership development and we believe in empowering people to own their strengths. I think when we were doing our work, I saw the definition of self-actualization, which if you look at Maslow or whatever Maslow's hierarchy of needs, self-actualization is the highest. This is where we get to at the highest level. Right. And it's really what everyone is has an inner drive to be at their core, which is I want to be the most successful I can be. You know, unless you're struggling with other mental health issues, it might just be I want to get out of bed every day. But like that's right. where the hierarchy of needs comes in. If you're if you have a safe environment and you feel good and you have all your food and you have all your basic level needs met, then you get to just be the best version of you you get to be. And so there's some privilege in that. I want to acknowledge. Sure. But sure. the definition of self-actualization is fully knowing who you are and being the best at that and also knowing who you aren't and that there's nothing wrong with that. We can't have right. a million creative accountants who can be and do everything. We need the accountants who are good at time management and structure. And then we need the creative people who are really good at visioning and everybody has to bring their strengths. And that diversity of thought, that neurodiversity is what we emphasize. Yeah, it kind of, it reminds me of when you're in a classroom and you're doing a learner profile. Mm-hmm. So we we don't shame people because of the different learning styles they need in order to, you know, right. to take in information and and learn it. We say, okay, you're a, you're a kinesthetic person or you're a visual person or you're an auditory person or you're a combination of all, right? Yeah. And we don't shame people for having individual learning styles. We shouldn't be shaming anybody for individual leadership styles either. It, we really need to in, make an impact in this field where we're saying we don't have to have this rigid definition of what leadership looks like in order for it to work. And I love that you said that because when we were looking at our definition of leadership and how we're doing it, like there's so much out there that's about influence and yeah. power. And I think, you know, getting people to do things they don't want to do. Right. And- it's all a compliance-based neurotypical definition of leadership. And you know what's crazy? I really looked and I could not find a major leadership theory that was not developed by a white man. Absolutely. I literally, I was like women-based leadership. And I think the servant-based leadership is probably the closest to a feminine leadership style. Like there's feminine leadership styles out there and not to make it a gender bias, but talk about like, there's no cultural difference. There's no, you know, racial difference. There's no. Nothing is taken into account in these programs to to bring in every voice and make it just as valid as another. Right. And that's what we're trying to do right. is we're so, trying to say, let's add all of this into the mix and say, we make a new definition of what leadership looks like. Yeah. And it's going to be different for you. And yep. it's going to be different for me. And it's going to be different for somebody else. And that's okay. 
Well, and that's why we said, and and the next pillar, that's why we said authenticity is the key to this because authenticity is the definition of true leadership to us. Are you being the best version of you with your strengths and accountable and responsible for the places you are not strong? Right. Right, right. That's the best version of leadership. And there's a lot of talk out there about the future of work as a buzzword. Yeah, the great migration, right? Oh, well, they're calling it the great resignation. And the, Right, right. So they're calling it the great resignation. And it's funny because I put a comment on someone, on the mindful leadership on LinkedIn. I put a comment and I got a bunch of reaction from it, which I was psyched about, which is there was an article like, in order to stop the great resignation, we have to stop basically commodifying people. Yeah. And we got to stop, you know, making them an asset or look at their right. ROI. We have to rehumanize them. And I put a comment like, why do we need to stop this? Quite frankly, it's a disruption to patriarchal hierarchical models that have continued to oppress the marginalized. Right. And what if we renamed it the great restoration where we put humans and values back right. at the center? Person-centered. Right. Ideals so, and values. Yeah. I got a lot of claps for that. But I think that's essentially what we're trying to do with this program. It well, and I can just say too that in from personal experience, you know, I was an I was an employee mentality for 21, 21, almost 22 years. And when I finally decided to stand up and say, you know what, it's just not for me anymore. I need to do something different for me. I need to redefine my vision of what my future is going to look like. It wasn't easy. I took a giant pay cut. I lost, you know, in the education world, I lost my tenure or my security. You know, there was a lot of of things that I gave up in order to do that. But my definition of leadership changed. I could no longer lead in a brick and mortar building under the influence of other people. I had to now become a leader, an individual leader on my own. And that was my choice. That doesn't mean other people who aren't doing that are wrong. It just means I should be able to have the space and the facility and the opportunity and the equity and the access to be able to do that as a female at my age, right? And and I think that we don't have enough systems put into the the overarching system right now, where if you decided that you didn't want to be a part of a system anymore, you could have the ability to go off and be a thought leader and a leader in your own way, exercising your own style and your own passion. So I think that's another thing that I, I really want for this program is to give people that, that encouragement and that excitement that they have that as a potential or a possibility. Well, and this is something just in the neurodivergent community in general, while there are more organizations starting to look at neurodiversity and, and, and be more accommodating and, and it's, it's, it's fledgling in the U S it's far greater in Australia and in Great Britain, but a lot of ADHD years and a lot of other neurodivergent people, a lot of dyslexic people, a lot of, they, they go into entrepreneurship or they go create their own businesses because they can't, necessarily function in those systems that you're talking about because they're not accommodating and they aren't valuing their unique perspective and what they bring to the table. And so there is a lot of this independent leadership in this community already. And so I think that's something we try to do even on our social media is highlight and empower leaders that are out there doing work and and, and being models of what's possible outside of the neurotypical standard. And so I think the last thing I'll touch on from the authenticity pillar is 
you know, that self-awareness bleeds into authenticity because once you have the data that the self-awareness helps you understand, now you get to go, oh, this is who I am really. These are my values. I kind of knew that because I do it every day, but now I get to like look at it with intention and I get to see if this is who I am authentically, how am I living that in my life? How am I not? How am I performing? And so this is almost the even richer pillar because there's almost some unpacking to do here. And there's some understanding where maybe you've been protecting or performing or overcompensating and and really peeling back some layers to say, well, is this serving me anymore? Do I want that in my life anymore? And starting to reinvent yourself in a more aligned and authentic way. And it can be confronting, but it can also be so healing and transformative because you get to just be you, not the version of you that is struggling to be not you. And so I think that it's one of the deepest pillars. And it's also one of the most confronting and challenging because now we have to really be honest with ourselves in this pillar. Right. Which is why why I think we also designed having the group community so that we could share experience together so that you're not feeling isolated and alone. And like, you're the only person experiencing this type of challenging confrontation um, and revelation, but also you're going to have the ability to work more privately with one of us in a one-to-one coaching circumstance where you can kind of work through things in a little more private of a way so that you're then able to take your nuggets, your aha moments, your revelations, all those things to the group and share it so that we're all enriching each other's experiences because you have the best of both worlds. You have the safety and the security and the privacy of having your one-to-one coach that's going to be there for your, as your cheerleader and, you know, And your facilitator, but you're also going to have that group who's going to also be your cheerleader and, you know, and facilitators to your success and and growth in your journey. So I think that's another important part of this program. Oh, 1000%. So, and yeah, you, you get the one-to-one coaching for the private, more deeper and vulnerable processing. And then you have the group for the community and the normalization and the shared experience, because really, truly... I I made, I thought I made this up a long time ago. And then through my own research and study and training, it's come out to be more and more true, which is healing can only happen when there's a witness. Yeah. And so even if it's one-to-one in the coach or even in a therapeutic conversation, like just having another human being here and hold you as you're processing and going through what you're going through that is where the healing actually happens to have someone be like, you're okay. And then to take it to community and have the community hold you and be like, we're okay. You're okay. I'm okay. We're all okay. Is a really beautiful experience. So thanks for bringing those components of the program up. It's the actual celebration of people's differences that I think is going to be the, the, the catalyst to the, to cracking open Oh, some of these issues is because you're usually, you know, most of us, I'm not going to say all, cause I can't speak for everyone, but I know for me personally, hiding the parts of yourself that you feel the most ashamed about, or that aren't received well in the world by other people and make you vulnerable. Though those are the places that we need to actually crack open and let other people see inside of it so yeah. that we can heal from it. And I think that's, although it's the scariest part and yeah. we think that by 
holding it tight and not letting it out, we're somehow controlling it and making it go away, but we're really not. The the actual healing comes in confronting it and getting it out there in the open and letting other people, as you said, witness to it and support us through it, that really the the transformation and the change is going to occur. So. And so we're, we are, I'm just going to point right at it because we're talking a little bit about trauma. Yes. And so we are trauma informed. I, I teach trauma awareness and trauma informed facilitation and leadership as a course. Um, and Donna also has trauma training for how to navigate in the classroom. And so we are not therapists and we no. will, if we see a, ther- a, a real therapeutic issue arising that we think we need to refer out to, we will refer you to a therapist for that additional support. However, in any transformational program, trauma will come up and present itself as you're unpacking and healing. And we are both competent and trained and comfortable and holding whatever comes up in the space in the moment to safely navigate and hold people while they process. Matter of fact, we're dedicated to that. We do not want to put people into trauma response and then not have systems in place. And so we have thought of that ahead of time to make sure that we're not having you dig into things that are going to crack you wide open and then leave you vulnerable and hanging out to dry. So, so I just want to note that we are, we are trauma informed and trauma aware in our practice and in our program, and we support, support it as it arises. So once we get all this beautiful self-awareness and we really unpack what's authentic for us and what we want and what we want for our lives and our work and our vision, we move into the action pillar and we start to make the plan and we start to really understand, okay, if if this is the goals and the vision I have in my life or my work or my growth or whatever you're working towards, because all coaching really happens inside of working towards something, right? then we get to create the plan to get you there. It, it may be something like taking a class to learn a skill. It might be something like quitting your job and starting company. It might be something like moving across country because there's a million things you can create in your life. But right. now that you know how to create it with more awareness and authenticity and what your needs are, we can get into that action plan. And then once we get into the action plan, that's when we say, okay, well, now what's the accountability you're going to need to really make that happen? And we put that into place. And then the last piece is, well, now that you know all of this, now you know what you're up to, how do you advocate for yourself? And I, I think, you know, if, if authenticity is like our biggest and core pillar that everything else supports, I tend to think the self-advocacy is like, that next backstop to all of it. Because if you can't enroll people around you in supporting what you're up to, if you don't know your needs and you can't go get them met, if you don't know, and and we do do a little bit of education about the differences between accommodations and concessions and how, how do, what can you ask for? What are your rights if you're in school or if you're at work in a company and you need those things? So teaching self-advocacy and also having the conversation about disclosure. The reality is we live in a oppressive neuro typical world that doesn't always provide the safest of spaces. And so we get to have an empowered conversation around disclosure and whether or not you want to disclose if you have any certain diagnoses or certain needs, if it benefits you to disclose. I think ultimately we are 
our goal is to work towards a world where disclosure isn't even a question. It's just, of course, we disclose who we are authentically and what our needs are. How else are we going to thrive in a world if we can't be radically transparent about who we are and what we need? But we also acknowledge that the world isn't there yet. And so we help you discern who and when and where to best advocate and how to advocate and really meet you where you are. If you're like, nope, I am not disclosing to anyone, but my team, my little cohort and my, great, like we meet you where you are. We don't pressure you. We just invite you to realize that we can't navigate this world and build our dreams alone. And I think that, you know, as you were speaking about it, I was thinking about it takes a village and it it really is. It's like these small communities that we're building and other people out there in the space that are working with this population are trying to build is the larger we get, you know, you don't make change alone. So the more communities we have that are talking about these important issues and uplifting all of these important needs, the more we do that, the quicker and the more facilitated it's going to be for the world to have to come and adapt because we're then disrupting that system and saying, no, we're not going to be quiet anymore. No, we're not going to accept that we're not a part of the norm or that, that, you know, that, that we have to accept shame or we have to, we have to assimilate. We don't, right. We have to, we have to literally speak up for ourselves and be proud and do what we need to do. And it's one step at a time. And I think that is our end goal is by the end of this program, you will know more about yourself, be able to step more authentically into who you are and own your strengths and also unapologetically own your gaps. Like there's nothing to be ashamed of or fearful of, Um, you know, do a little bit of healing and integration because we all need it and we're all performing in some way as human beings for that love and acceptance that we craved as children. Coming up with a clear action plan to move you, whatever that next goal is, it might be big, juicy, and ambitious, or it might just be apply to schools because my dream was to go to college. But like, whatever that next goal, that next milestone is for you, giving you that action plan to work towards that goal, putting in the accountability that you need, building community around you to, to So by the end, you have moved through this powerful program in community with friends that will probably be in your life forever and then set you off on your way to go execute and advocate for yourself with the tools and resources to be successful. And by the end, you walk away a little more empowered, a little more clear, a little more grounded and being able to be the best version of you. Well, and I love that because I love the fact that you're really focusing on everybody's entry point is going to be different. I may want to learn more social skills so that I can develop a relationship for the first time in my life because my social phobia and anxiety have caused me to come to a point where I'm just stagnant and I can't, I don't know how to be relational with others and I don't know how to make friends or I'm so isolated or, you know, my, my phobia is so bad that I have not learned what I need to learn in order to make that better. And this is my first step in the journey. And so leadership for me looks like me leading myself into a more full relational existence so that I can feel like I'm in community and I can, I can have friends and I can have a higher experience with others than just myself. Yeah. 
And it could be that I want to go to college and I want to be able to set myself up for success. It might be that I want to start a company. You know, that's the beautiful thing about these kinds of programs is what we are all working on is our own personal development and transformation and how being neurodivergent impacts that process for us. That is the thing that makes this program unique. You know, it's not that I am just uh, trying to get that promotion to the executive level. I think that's the other thing too, is a lot coaching has exploded. I think it's now like the second biggest industry to tech, which is a whole crazy conversation. But I think this idea that there's so many different spaces for entrepreneurs and there's so many different spaces for executives and corporate. And we really wanted to create that space for the neurodivergent community where it's like, well, here's your transformational leadership space where you can get your unique needs met. So, and this is where we're at. I don't know if you have any other thoughts about the five A's before we wrap today. No, I think we, you know, I think I've said what I felt was most important. I don't know if you want to do the three takeaways. I was going to say, let's do the three takeaways. So I think the takeaways that I would want everyone to walk away with are one, if you are looking for something in your life, you know, you want something else, you, you want to grow, you want to be better, but you're afraid that there's not a space that's going to understand you. We are a space that is going to accept, understand, accommodate, and adapt for your needs and fully embrace you as you are. I think the second piece I would want people to walk away with is that the five A's, awareness, authenticity, action, accountability, and advocacy are a framework that will help you be the most successful, authentic version of you you can be, and that that is the end goal. And then the last thing is that transformational work can be challenging and rewarding and it's for everyone. And so no matter where you are in your journey, whether you've done a ton of work or whether you've never even, what's self-awareness? What's a character strengths assessment? Like if you're a newbie, that it's a universal experience and that there's there's a space for everyone with any kind of goal and that no matter what if you want the support and the structure to fulfill on those visions and goals that are sometimes scary and we sometimes mean to and then it's been two years and we never actually did it that like this can be the container and the space for you to finally say okay I want this enough that I'll invest in a program or structure that will help me get there and that you can ask for help. Put a bow on it. All right. Excellent. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. To register for an upcoming leadership workshop or to learn more about our one-to-one coaching and development programs, you can visit us at www.neurodivergentleader.com or follow us on Instagram at neurodivergentleader and check for the links in the bio. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.